I have a very simple message to share this morning. And that is that God is good. And he loves to give good things. He is a generous God. And I want to look at how we can respond to that generous, good God. I don't have a whole uh, chunk of scripture to kind of work through. This is more um, a whole theme through the Bible that I'm going to be running through this morning uh, and hopefully briefly. So all through the Bible we see a generous God. He's not just giving, but he gives graciously. He gives without us deserving what he gives to us. He gives gifts to us. They are gifts. They are not rewards. Okay? So you have, I'm sure in your purse, you have a loyalty card for a particular shop. Greg always tells me off if I mention a particular uh, company or something. So I I try not to mention a company. But you have a loyalty card. And the idea of the loyalty card is you go to that shop, you spend in that shop, and you feel really happy that after six months of spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, you might get a little voucher for a few quid. And you think, oh, I've been blessed, I've had a gift. It's not a gift. That is a reward. You have earned, you've had to earn to get that. It's a reward because you've done something and you receive something. That is not the case with God. With God, he is a giver of good gifts. And we see that all through the Bible. The Christian story starts with this account of the creation of the world. With God bringing into existence our cosmos, our planet, humans. He gives humans plants to eat in Genesis 2, in Genesis 1. Late in Genesis 9, he gives humans animals to eat as well. And we are given dominion over all of creation. It's ours to rule. He's given it to us. How generous is that? None of these things that God makes are needed by God. He makes them and gives them to us. All the waterfalls that you've ever seen, all the crunchy autumn leaves you'll be walking through next weeks ahead, all the birds you've seen soaring in the sky, they have been given to you as gifts by God. And in creation, God did not cut corners. He did not try and make savings. I was thinking this week, could you imagine God creating the world with a budget controller sitting next to him? Could you imagine if he says, I want to make the Lake District and Snowdonia? And the budget controller's thinking, really? And I want to make the Rocky Mountains. That is the God that we have. And he gives creation to us. But in Genesis 3, as the serpent comes into the garden, that's the one thing that he starts to undermine. He undermines God's generosity. He says to them, but he didn't give you that tree, did he? Aha. Doesn't focus on what he has given you, but focus on what God didn't give you. 
And the first of us desired and ate. And death and separation have ensued ever since. But God still gives. Imagine if you give a child a drawing to do and you set them down with a piece of paper and some crayons and they think, right, in their mind they've got this idea of what they're going to draw, a little child, and they start drawing. It just doesn't quite work out right and they get frustrated. And what they do? They rip it up and have a tantrum. Thank God that he did not do that with us. He made this amazing thing and then we muck it up by going our own way. God does not grumpily tear it up. He continues to give. Even when what he'd hoped didn't quite work out. And he gives sons to those disobedient children. He gives an ark to rescue a remnant. He reminds us of a rainbow. Abram has given a new name. He's been told to become the father of nations and is given fresh promises. That God continues to give children to the barren. He appears in burning bushes, ladders, in clouds and in fire. He gives freedom from slavery, manna from heaven, water from rock and forgiveness from sin. God is a giver of good things, of very good things. And he gives them to uh, undeserving, wayward people. But as we have just reflected on this morning already, his greatest generosity to us is giving us his son, Jesus. He gave to us his very own. He didn't stay far off, distant, tossing down gifts like some cosmic piñata, but rather he sent of himself into our world to fix the human problem. And he gave us, he became for us a perfect example. While on earth he gives bread, sight, life, forgiveness, and pennies in the mouths of fishes. Have you considered how extravagant some of the miracles are that Jesus performed while he was on earth? In John 2, that wonderful story of the wedding feast, the people having the wedding had been planning that wedding for a long time. They'd worked out how much wine to produce and have ready for that wedding, but they ran out of that wine. What a disaster. But Jesus steps in. Do you know how much wine he provided? It was over 900 bottles. They'd they, they just run out of wine. But he comes in his extravagance and gives 900 bottles of wine. Think of the picnic where thousands were fed just from a little boy's packed lunch and there were 12 basketfuls left over at the end from one little boy's packed lunch there's an extravagance, there's a generosity we see as Jesus is here on earth 
But all of that pales into, into insignificance when we consider he gave his life. Just as we've been reflecting on, reminding ourselves and proclaiming this morning, he gave his life so that we could have life. So that we could have the curse that had been over man broken and we could have that relationship with God. Through nothing that we had done. We didn't earn that, it was an unmerited favour, it was a gift from God. And we can join with Paul, as he says in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Jesus is the end of all our searching. Whatever you need, Jesus is the end of all your searching. We can proclaim that this morning. But God's generosity does not just end there. When Jesus ascends to heaven, he says, I can't leave my people without anyone to be with them, so they send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to be God with us here on earth. And as the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit even brings new gifts that can break out to help the church to grow and to develop. And he releases those gifts on the day of Pentecost. And that day continues today. We can still come to this loving Father and ask that the Holy Spirit will send gifts to us so that we can help build his church and see his glory shine forth in this place. And still it continues because as followers of Jesus, we still look forward to a life to come of an eternity with him. A future hope of perfection, of inconceivable beauty, a place that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Have I shown you, through the Bible, that we have a God of generosity? We have a good, good God, a good, good Father, who loves to give good things. So how do we respond to that? Because there's a slight danger that we might take this gift that he's given to us and end up worshipping that gift rather than the giver. Now the Bible calls that idolatry and we generally don't want to be doing that. Generally, yeah, just not the gift, the giver of the gift we need to focus on. On the other hand, we don't want to presume that we're going to get something from God and we also don't want to get into the, into the, into the mindset of thinking that we, we can earn or have to earn to do something to receive something from God. And I thought that was brought out this morning as, as Jenny shared a word about that. That we, looking quickly back, we shouldn't get distracted if things haven't gone the way we should be but we shouldn't be distracted by that. God is still good. God is still wanting to give. So how do we respond? There's four things I want to briefly go through. First one is thankfulness. Second is worship. Thirdly, use well. And fourthly, ask for more. So thankfulness. That's the obvious one. Someone gives you a gift, we kind of drum it into our children from a very early age. It's the first thing we say, thank you, yes. Um, but what, why do we do that? What does it mean? It honours the giver and communicates our value of the gift that's been given to us. Going a bit deeper, it also makes us aware of our lack 
and how someone has now met the need that we had. And we, as we say thank you, we recognise that need. We recognise what that gift has done to help us. And recognising the giver, recognising God behind all these good things that we get, is something that I feel in the Western world we can sometimes lose sight of. When I've had the privilege of being in India and going to some of the village churches in particular, at the end of the church service, which lasts three or four hours, everyone wants to come for prayer. And I've had people come up with a baby in arms and the baby has a, a fever I'm not a doctor, but looks like that. And my Western mind is, give it some cowpole, be right in a couple of days. That's my Western mind. The Christians in these churches don't have cowpole. They only have God. And they've come on that morning to have that baby healed. I've had a man come up and ask me to pray for his cow because his cow has stopped giving milk. Now you have to check yourself here because I'm not used to praying for cows. But you realise a cow is the, the source of all the income for that family. And they are desperate. My Western mind is, go and get a vet. They only have God. I had a man come up with a two-litre plastic bottle of water and say through a translator, this water is from my well, it has gone bad, we cannot drink it. Will you, pr- will you please pray for the well water to get better? I won't do well. Um, and you think, gosh, this, this is straight out of an Old Testament story. I think, get a water engineering. Get some, get some tablets, get some chemicals in, that will sort it. They haven't got that. They only have God. And God is faithful and God is a giver of good things. And those people are just are so reliant on God, their thankfulness when God comes through is enormous and fantastic. So when you start into worship, they are praising God because his, his broken thing is answered these prayers. And my fear is that in the West, we get so used to the vet coming in, the water engineer coming in, a few paracetamol, the cowpole, the NHS, all these, all these great gifts, the good things. But we can so easily get caught up in those things rather than remembering it's God behind it. He is the giver of these good things. And we are to recognise that. And I think it's something that we can so learn from our brothers and sisters uh, from, um, from the nations. As they come amongst us, they have lived through situations where they've seen God being faithful and faithful and faithful. 
and breaking into situations which were irreparable. And they come with such thankfulness to God and rejoice with him. We can learn so much. That thankfulness leads to worship where we recognise the goodness of the giver. We recognise the goodness of God. And this is how we are to avoid idolatry. To remember that it is always God behind these gifts. Gifts are all around us, whether it's stars, animals, sex, internet. We're not to shy away from those gifts and be scared of them, but we are to embrace them. Not turning into our idols, but rather to help us through them focus and worship on the giver of those gifts. C.S. Lewis said, we are to follow the sunbeams back to the sun. Thankfulness, worship, thirdly, we are to use them well. We are to be good stewards of these gifts that have been given to us. There are many parables spoken along these lines, investing in our talents that have been given to us. Make the best use of what you have. More will be added. Be a faithful steward. Because we have such a wonderful privilege of being used by God to achieve his purposes here on earth. We are God's hands and feet and ears and eyes. And we can have gifts to help us use those into situations to bring his heart into these situations and give glory to him. So we steward those gifts, we use those gifts. We develop those gifts, whatever those gifts are. And finally, and I love this one, we can come and ask for more. If my children after Christmas come and ask for more, you're like, I've been lost, you've got all this. That's because I have finite resources. God has infinite resources. And as you receive from him, he loves it if you turn around and come back and say, can I have some more? More of your love, more of your power, more of your spirit, more spiritual gifts released in my life. He loves it as we come to him. He loves it if we bother him for things. Because it shows where we are getting our source from. We are putting him above other things in our life as we come and ask for more. So in our response to the generosity of God, the generosity of God we're seeing down through history in our own lives as well, we are to be thankful, we are to worship, we are to use God's gifts well, and we are to come and ask for more. So that we don't spurn the gift, that we don't idolise them and we focus on the giver behind the gift. I wonder if the music group could just come up now please. Great timing Steve. Now I imagine for most of us what I've shared this morning is not an amazing new revelation. You know those things. But I hope this morning it's been a refreshment of those truths. And that we can reflect on how our own lives, are we living lives of thankfulness? Are we thanking the giver of these gifts or do we just get on with it? And one way I've found, which I've practised 
every now and then, is having a, a time at the end of the day where you can reflect and thank God specifically for five things that you've, you've been involved in or had or something during that day. And it helps us think through and looking back at the light of the day we've had and recognising those points where God has come in and touched, where God has come in and given. And it fuels our worship, it fuels our understanding that God is, is working in us. It's, it's, sometimes he's hidden, you don't always see what's happening. But there are things he does and you say, yeah, that's God doing that and giving glory to him. Now as a church, we don't identify with the, gospel, the, with the prosperity gospel. Now what I mean by that are TV personalities often wearing shiny suits that would say to you, give money to me and God would make you rich. That's the prosperity gospel. We would distance ourselves as a church from that sort of thing because God is not a slot machine. You don't put things in and then get things out. But as I've just outlined, we do believe in a generous father. And that is good news. So by that definition, there is a prosperity gospel. Because we have a God of generosity who wants to bless us and give us things. Not that we have to earn it. It's a gift from him. So why don't we stand? Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for speaking to us. And we thank you that you are such a good, good father. And you, we pray you release that truth deeper and deeper into our lives. It's, it's a thing we would say, it's a thing we affirm, but make that greater revelation, that going from that, your mind into heart, to release that into people's minds, even as we worship you, continue worshipping you this morning. Amen.